Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. When we entertain strangers, sometimes we entertain angels unawares. But the thing is, some of us in our zeal are ready to die for Jesus, but that's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to humble ourselves and gird ourselves to serve. Okay, can you hear me now? (laughs) From John, the 13th chapter, the third and fourth verses, the Scripture says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He was come from God and went to God, He rises from supper and laid aside His garments and took a towel and girded Himself. You may be seated. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. I want to read a text I got this morning before I I start this. This is from Brother Rice. It'll open it up for me. Okay, this is what he sent me while we were driving to church. Preach that precious word to those precious souls today, brother. Love yous. Have a great church today. And this is what I wrote back to him. Yes, pastor. I'm going to tell them about some pig missionaries. Love you in Jesus Christ, brother Glenn. Glory to God. Some pig missionaries. I almost retitled this uh, from something else. The title of this message today is Girded to Serve. Uh, But it could have been the pig missionaries. And uh, I want to tell you to begin with about some pig missionaries that I met more than 25 years ago. Brother Phil Eggleston and I were going to go and visit a little independent holiness Pentecostal church that was local to us in Union County. And I'll never forget this. This was a Sunday evening service and it was in the summer, so it was still light out. And we pulled into the parking lot and we looked over and we saw something you don't usually see at church. There was a kind of older model pickup truck that looked like it had seen a lot of wear with sideboards built up and it was packed with all kinds of supplies up up to about the rail tops, and they had like a a makeshift trailer that was built on the back that was covered with wood and covered with straw, and it had like a fence built around it. And inside the fence, there was a a trough for for food and and a big bowl for water, and two young pigs. Now, they weren't babies, but they were a little bigger than that, but two pigs... And this was parked at the church. And I, we, Brother Phil and I looked at each other. We walked over and looked at that rig, you know, and uh, walked in the church. And we didn't get in the church very far, and we met Brother and Sister Barkley. Now, these were independent missionaries to Mexico, we found out from talking to Brother uh, Bar- uh, Barkley. And Brother Barkley was dressed in just a, just a simple suit, he was in his mid mid to late sixties, had a pair of suspenders on. His wife had a very modest little dress with probably flowers on it and just a little bun back here. And they were country folks. You could tell that right off from the very beginning. 
And uh, we asked him about the pigs and he said, oh, he said, we're back on deputation and somebody gave us, a farmer gave us some tithes. <laughs> the pigs were tithes and uh, they were raising them to later sell them to raise money for the mission work that he had there in Mexico. But Brother Barkley had something else to tell me too. And that's what I've really come to share with you that has to do with this message. He told me, he said, you know, he said, we have a little mission there in whatever place it was in Mexico. And he said, a lot of times during the day, what I'll do is I'll sit out front and I've got a little folding table there and my wife will make homemade cookies and I'll have a plate of cookies and we'll make up some Kool-Aid and have little paper cups. And if there are any little children from the village that would like a snack, he said, I will pour them some Kool-Aid and take a little tray and bring them out some cookies. And in particular, though, he mentioned one day he was sitting out in front of the mission and there's a little dusty town in Mexico and a group of little children were walking across the street meekly looking at him and looking at the cookies. Look at him. They'd look at the cookies. They'd look at him. And he was just sitting there, he said, and... uh the Lord spoke to his heart and he said, what have I have you here to do? And he jumped up, grabbed his tray, put some cookies on it, filled some little cups and walked over to the children. And he, and he said to them, would you all like a cookie and some and something to drink? And they meekly nodded their head and he gave it to them. That really got me. What do I have you here for? That was the exact quote. What do I have you here for? What do I have you here for? You know, the text that I read had to do with something that happened during the Last Supper. Jesus was that very night going to pray His last praying with His disciples, intercede for us, and during the night, in the wee hours of the morning, he was about to be taken. And as we know, he would go to a, a cross for us. But uh, he did something that the disciples were really amazed at. The Bible lets us know after supper, he laid aside his garments, girded himself with a towel, filled a basin with water, and went to each of the disciples and began to wash their feet and wipe them with the towel. Now, foot washing was not an uncommon practice to the people of Israel. We find that uh, this was a common thing. And in fact, because people didn't have shoes like we did, they, if they had shoes, they had sandals. If they didn't have shoes, they were barefoot. And it was customary if you had someone come over to your house to at least offer them a basin of water and a towel to wash their feet. And if you didn't do this, it was a, a sign that you didn't esteem them very much. And uh, the tradition goes back way far back. Uh, it was... Foot washing was to clean their feet. It was kind of hygienic. It was also refreshing. It was a way to unwind, refresh. It showed honor and esteem. Looking in the Bible, 
It's not on that. Looking in the Bible, back in the book of Exodus, excuse me, Genesis, I'm sorry. Uh, in the 18th chapter, the first through the fifth verse, now this is the patriarch Abraham. And it reads, And the Lord appeared to him, that is Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore ye are come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. Abraham, father of the faithful, the one man that God had chosen, this time he's the only one that we know that had any kind of a relationship like this with God. When he saw the three men, and incidentally, one of the things that I can't help but wonder about, because in the very next chapter, there's just two men and they are angels. They are two of these. I can't help but wonder if the third man was Jesus himself. Because he says, the Lord appeared unto him. He ran to them fell on his face before them. And then he offered them water, asked them to rest by the tree, and offered them a meal. Now, he washed their feet. They were walking. I don't know whether they had shoes on or not, but the first thing he did was he washed their feet. He humbled himself like a servant. In another place in the Scripture, we see somebody else doing something like this. Before that third man as well. In the book of Luke, we find about her, and I'm going to read about her. Now Jesus had been invited by a Pharisee to his home. Luke, the seventh chapter, the 36th verse. I'm going to read this to you. Okay, it would help if I'm not in the book of John when I'm trying to read out of Luke. <laughs> I've even got glasses on. I'm not slinging them on the floor anymore. That's good. That's, a, that's an improvement. Thanks to my blessed wife. We went out golfing the other day. I lost a screw in these glasses and I was paranoid that I wouldn't be able to wear them today, which would have been bad because then I, who knows where they would have ended up. But looking in, in Luke, the seventh chapter, I'm going to read from the 36th verse. And one of the Pharisees, this is one of the devoutly religious Jews, desired him, that is Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman of, in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. 
and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed him five, uh, 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he that forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman, excuse me, I was like that woman once. I, I, I'm breaking down a little bit because I know how this feels. To be the only vile thing in the whole place. And Jesus still loving me, so bear with me a little bit. And Jesus turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time that I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth much. And he turned unto her and said, thy sins are forgiven thee. There have been some precious people in my life that uh, have been wonderful examples to me. Uh, not the least of which may be one of the foremost, and I've mentioned about her before, was Sister Catherine Barker, who for years pastored the United Pentecostal Church in Vienna, and uh, basically would go anywhere Jesus told her to go, even when it was inconvenient. God had told her to go there, and there is a church there to this day. And in that church, in one of the walls, is Sister uh, Frieda Bracken's little ball-peen hammer that she helped to, to put up the sheetrock with somewhere. But I said that to say this. I want to tell you about Sister Catherine Barker. Now, I want to tell you first from the standpoint of my little dog. I used to have a little toy poodle that weighed four and a half pounds that was black named Tony. And when uh, Tony, we took everywhere with us. Brother Phil and I, we'd get in the car and Tony got to go. And I drove. Now, little Tony would sit on my lap, stand on my lap, put his hands on the steering wheel, and then he would turn around and look me right in the face. And uh, what I was expected to do from my dog was tell him where we were going. Now, if, it, if I mentioned a place that didn't make any connection in his head, he'd just turn and look and just 
go along for the ride. But there were a couple of things that if I said certain names, he didn't behave like that at all. And one of the names that he was listening for was, we're going to see Sister Barker, in which case he would throw back his head and he didn't hardly bark. It was more like a crow. He'd go, boo-hoo, like that, like, woohoo, we're going to, we're going to Sister Barker's house. And he was one of only two people in the world that when we came to her house and he was invited in too, Okay, all right, as, as the congregation gets settled again. <laughs> My little dog would walk around on his hind feet all around where she was standing, which was usually in the kitchen, which is why he was walking around her. You see, Sister Barker, if you ever went to her house, it was the, that home was the picture of hospitality. You didn't have to wonder were you welcome in. Whoever you were, you could tell that you were welcomed in. The way that she was, the way that the Lord felt in that house, the way that Brother Barker were, they were welcoming people. It was a refreshing place to come in. And you weren't there probably very many minutes before she would say, I want to invite you to have a meal with us, which is what my dog was looking forward to, was the meal with, with them, and which is why he stayed in the kitchen, standing on his hind legs, hopping all around her. But she, it was hospitality. You were welcomed in. It was refreshing to be there. And I remember the time, and I've mentioned this before, when I first came as Jesus was leading me to a place where I would find Him. I didn't look like anybody else at all, but I was welcomed. I was welcomed by every single person in that little church in Carbondale. And so I stopped thinking about myself. I was welcomed. I was refreshed. I'd look over at that little grandma with her arms raised telling Jesus she loved Him, and I... I thought, well, that's really neat. I'm going to try that too. They didn't go up as high as hers. Not then. A little bit later they would have. But my point in saying this, Sister Barker's home was a place of welcome and refreshment. A place of welcome and refreshment. A place where somebody could come off the street still defiled in where he had been walking around still carrying on him or herself the grime and the dirt of the world and of their own life, but would still be welcomed, still be refreshed, a place where they could get washed, where they could, they could come in and get washed and refreshed. Turning back to John, the 13th chapter, I want to continue to read on about Jesus after he had laid aside his garments, brought out the basin of water, girded himself with a towel. After that, he poureth water into the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he comes to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? 
Now, I want you to understand something. In Israel, I mentioned this was a tradition, foot washing. But it wasn't necessarily that if someone came to your house that you washed their feet. You would bring them the basin of the water and towel, and they would wash their own feet, unless you had a servant. If you had a servant, your servant would automatically wash those people's feet for them. And they were girded to serve. They were servants. This is what they were about. Jesus, the King of glory, the Messiah, had undressed himself and girded himself with a towel like a slave, like a servant. And this is the manner in which he is washing their feet. Simon Peter, or excuse me, Jesus answered when, when Peter asked, Lord, does thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. If I wash you not, you don't have any part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. You know, there's another place where it talks about washing. In the law of Moses, the priests, after they killed the sacrifice and they took the blood, they would place some blood on their right earlobe, on their right thumb, and on their right big toe. Then they would go to the brazen laver, which was a place of washing, where they could, it was polished brass so they could see themselves, and they would wash their hands and their feet and their face before they went in. Now, hands and feet, I think sometimes they washed their face, probably needed to. Hands and feet, though, particularly, and the scripture says that they die not when they approach unto God. They had to wash. Now, Peter is saying, when he's understanding this is to make him clean, it's like, okay, well, that's the case. Not just my hands, but, but um, feet, but my hands and face only. Oh, also. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. Judas Iscariot, who would betray him, was there too. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. So after he had, and by the way, Jesus washed his feet too. Jesus cleaned Judas Iscariot's feet too. He cleaned his feet and refreshed him too, even though he knew he would betray him. Even though the scriptures say that he regarded him as a friend. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye, know, know ye what I have done unto you? You call me Master and Lord, you say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you, all, you 
also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily I say unto you that the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that, great, that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. You know, as a young Christian, I hadn't read the Bible before I got saved. After I got saved, I don't know how many days it took me to read the whole thing through, but not many. Because one of the blessed things about being a child of God is you don't read by yourself. When I was a little boy and my mom would tuck me in, she would read me a story. When I got saved and born again, I'd open the Bible with my heavenly father and I'd look up at him and I'd say, Lord, talk to me. And he does. And it was wonderful. Glory to God. He would talk to me from his word. So I, oh man, I devour the word. But this is my point in, in, in saying this. The scripture lets us know a couple of things that we need to think about. The first is, when we entertain strangers, sometimes we entertain angels unawares. I have known of many testimonies over the years, including one, if Brother Bailey was here, that he would, he would tell you, where he had one of those kind of experiences. The other thing, though, to remind you is what our Lord is going to say when we stand before Him. He's going to say, if we have done it, when I was hungry, when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you saw me naked, you clothed me. When you saw that I was in prison, or sick, you visited me. And they shall say, when did we see you like that? Inasmuch as you did it to one of these the least, you did it unto me. The Scripture says in John the 15th chapter, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. You know, some of us in our zeal think, you know, just like, like Peter, and my wife could probably testi testify to this, that I'm impetuous to say the least. When Brother Jones preached on impetuosity, Sister Debbie was looking, it's Debbie, excuse me, that's not my wife. Sister Joanne, boy, that was bad. Lord Jesus, help her to forgive me. Uh, Sister Joanne looked at me because um, we knew he had the message. But the thing is, some of us in our zeal are ready to die for Jesus, but that's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to humble ourselves and gird ourselves to serve. 
We all have a ministry. Anytime anyone comes into this place, they, Jesus is in, in us to welcome them. Jesus is in us at times to minister to them. They might not know what they need. There have been so many times when I was full of the Holy Ghost, doing good, I, you know, I think, till I hear the word. And then if I, then if it hits me, then I repent. He washes it away again. But my point in saying that, there have been many times when I came to the altar to minister, and someone else moving in the Spirit came and laid his hand on me, and I found there was something for me. And whatever was going on in me, in my humanity, would be swept away in the current of that beautiful living water. We should never, never, never feel ashamed to come up here. Glory to God. At these altars are where we meet with the Lord. He knows what we need. We don't. In closing, I'm going to read one more Scripture. This is from Philippians, the second chapter, the fifth through the seventh verse. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not to be robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was in the likeness of men. I only met Brother and Sister Barkley once. That's well over 25 years ago. But I never forgot what the Lord spoke to him when he was looking at those little poor children across the street looking at him and looking at the cookies. And the Lord said, what do I have you here for? Turn the service back over to Brother Jones. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't we all stand to our feet right now? Amen. What? There are, there are five words in the New Testament that are translated to ministry. And every single word has to do with servanthood. Servanthood. Servanthood is the very essence of ministry. Amen. And I want to be a servant of His. Amen. Appreciate the word of the Lord this morning. You bow your head, close your eyes as we close in this song this morning. Amen. Make that your prayer this morning. God, I want to be your servant. Lord, whatever it is that you're, you have me to do while you have called me for such a time as this, Lord, I pray that I am serving people in love. Amen. Would you pray that right now? Would you just talk to the Lord in the very closing moments of the first part of this service? Lord, just make me your servant.
Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.